I think that I can confidently say that this summer, maybe like late spring, summer, and then into this fall, has been some of my um, like best, meaning like the most focused and hardest work that I've done as a pastor. And I, I don't mean strenuous, like I'm not tired from it. <laughs> um, I don't think a pastor gets tired from his work ever, um, physically tired, that is. Um, I mean that I've brought the most like focus and effort to my work in the last um, few months. As a, a pastor responsible in some sense for you guys, um, for responsible for our plans, our vision, what we kind of want to do and be as a church, the teaching here. Um, I recently discovered uh, audiobooks. I, I've known about them for a while, longer than recently, but they're like podcasts, but different. Um, I also discovered that I can listen to them at uh, 1.5 or 1.7x speed. Yeah, some fans, nice. I'm like, I can, you know, comprehend and kind of stick with it for a while. And so this summer, late spring, summer, early fall has been the season of me walking and reading or listening to books for hours and hours, specifically related to um, our church, what we want to be about, our mission, our vision. There's no way uh, that I can say this without it sounding like I'm (laughs) trying to brag about it, but 1.5, 1.7. We're talking like 15, 20 books in this last season, like dedicated so that I'm like pouring, pouring over smart people that are talking about the church and the mission of the church and what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, I graduated from semina- seminary in 2018. I don't know that I looked at a word ever like uh, on purpose after that for a while. I feel like I couldn't, did not want to read at all anymore. And then something changed uh, this spring, uh, late spring. And I have been drinking from a fire hose and um, partially because I felt like I could read again. It was, it was time. And also, mostly, because I have felt totally desperate and at a loss for an answer to a question that I get asked all the time and also another question related that um, I ask of myself all the time. The question that I get asked all the time is, how's Valley Church going? <laughs> I heard you planted a church, how's it going? I consider myself generally like fairly even keeled. I don't get like easily rattled. I'm not saying I never get rattled. I get rattled in like a board game, but in general in life, just pretty normal, you know? I get capital T triggered now when people ask me how Valley Church is going, especially if it's someone that I haven't seen in a while. I, not their fault, I'm a fragile baby with an ego and an insecurity complex. Um, But I hate the question because I don't have an answer to it. Um, I don't know how we're doing. I don't know what standard of measurement I'm comparing things against. I can tell you all the things that I wish were different. I can tell you the things that I thought would be different um, about our church. I could tell you some things that I thought would have changed by now, you know, four years in. And so for years now, when people ask the question, I say something like, oh, it's going great. It's different than what I'm used to, you know, smaller church and we love it. So it's like a family vibe, you know, all that good stuff. Um, We started like six months before the pandemic. And so we're just grateful that we like survived it and made it through all good and true. I believe all those things. Um, But that answer has become just so stock for me and really, though it's true, it's hiding the like true truth for me, which is um, 
I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know if we're doing great. I am an ex-youth pastor from a mega church that had a well-oiled youth ministry machine that was not hard to run, and so it was easy to seem competent, like I know what I was doing, but I didn't, and I certainly don't know what I'm doing right now. Um, so now I run what you could call, looking from the outside, a stunted um, or stuck church plant. I love you. I love all. I love our church. I don't want to change uh, what we have now, but I think that in some ways we are stunted or stuck. We have not grown. We've had. We've exchanged some families over these four years. Um, but we have not grown. We've had what you could consider transfer growth, other Christians going from one church to another. But to my knowledge, no people that have met Jesus here for the first time because me or you um, invited them and told them about Jesus. No new disciples. I don't know how to lead this church. I don't know how to lead a church like ours. Um, there's a skill set that would probably be ideal to have as a church planter. And I, whatever it is, I know that I don't have it. Um, add to this the fact that church culture and the, the climate around church, have, it feels to me that it has significantly changed in the last four years since the pandemic, really. Um, now, it was already happening over the course of decades, both like Gallup polls and Barna research just shows a steady down and to the right as far as attendance and church, church attendance numbers. Less and less people are going to church. It was happening before the pandemic, but it certainly got worse since then. And it feels like uh, the elephant in the room uh, at, to me. Some days that we're here, there's some Sundays where you show up, I'm here, we're here, and we're like, where is everybody? Uh, and maybe I, whoever is like leading worship, will try to like make some little joke about it, like, ah, oh, small night, <laughs> you know? Um, part of it is that our church is small, so like if three families get sick and are gone, it's like, oh, there's half of our church, cool. Um, but honestly, it makes me really scared sometimes when there's a number of weeks, especially like a few in a row, where I'm like, there's, there's like 15, 15 people here. Where's the other 50 to 60 adults that would say, this is, this is my church? Um, and I'm afraid that uh, in my flesh, the part that, that doesn't readily trust God, that if that happens too many times, then we're just gonna kind of drop off like flies. Like you're gonna wander in one day and be like, why is no one here? Maybe we're not supposed to be here. Maybe I don't wanna come next week because no one was there. For better or worse, people, myself included, want to go to church where their friends are going, where other people are going, where it feels like something's happening and it's alive. Um, and we just, we just don't get to be with our whole church very often um, because we're, I don't know, busy. Um, on a given Sunday, we're lucky if like half of us are here. And so that question that I get asked often, how's your church doing? Um, it sends me down that whole tailspin that I just <laughs> vomited out, excuse me. Um, also, it adds up to really make me ask another kind of related question. Uh, what are we, both just us here at Valley and Christians in general, what are we doing here in church? What, what is our purpose? Why do we exist? Um, now, we have a, a mission statement and a vision that I, I still like. I stand by it. We'll, we'll talk about it over the coming weeks. But I'm just talking about, like, if I ask you, like, don't try to, like, grab some facts and scriptures in your head, but, like, why are you here? Why do you go to church? Like, what's the gut response that comes out of you? Um, so I've been wrestling with that question, the purpose of church, our church, what are we doing here? And uh, wonder, like, if we could answer that, maybe it would help us know, like, uh, if 
we're on the wrong track and need to change some things. Or maybe it would help us, maybe some things would be right. We could be proud and grateful and at peace if uh, we are getting some things right. Um, maybe I would feel less triggered if someone asked me, how's Valley going? Um, so in my kind of desperation to not just provide leadership and direction for our church, but also to like answer the question for my own soul, to, to quiet my own soul sometimes, I've had my head buried and plunged into the scriptures and into the wisdom of many scholars and pastors and authors who have helpful things to say about this. And what I really wish was about to happen right now is that I was going to like tell you that I have successfully synthesized all 20 books into a really compelling message that is just gonna settle the matter once and for all for all of us. Um, over the last two weeks, I, I wrote probably like, I don't know, 15 pages of notes for like the first week, what I would have done today, which is like two to three times what I would normally write. And I was just like getting all these like quotes and information down. I was like, oh, this is gonna be so great. Um, and it was Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Um, I was trying to put it all together and line us out and present my research and my findings. And it just wasn't working. Um, I wasn't making sense to myself on paper. Um, I don't know, know another way of putting it other than there was some type of like mental block. Not writer's block, wrote a bunch of stuff down, but uh, how I, as I've reflected on it, it felt like God was withholding clarity. Um, I don't know if God does that, but that's what it felt like. Um, and it's what I felt like I just desperately needed. And I felt like in some ways I was trying to strong arm it and like, I'll find my clarity, gosh dang it, I'm gonna read what, any book that I have to, to get it. Um, and so I came into here on Wednesday when I was like, this is late in the week for me to like not really know what I'm saying on Sunday. Um, I came right here, I like knelt down right here and prayed for a while and uh, at some point, I went downstairs to my office and I grabbed the notes from the Sunday this summer that we did listening prayer together as a church. Who, can you raise your hand if you were there for that? Yeah, must be nice. Um, we just did a, a church service of listening prayer together. Um, Alicia, where are you? I don't know, somewhere. Hi. Took some notes for me and just kind of of her own will sent a text with all the things that were mentioned more than once because there was some repeat or some similar themes. That was really special, so thank you. Um, and there was a, a particular theme that popped up, a phrase and an idea that was repeated a couple times, um, things that we sensed the Lord was saying to us about, you know, we asked the question, you know, what do you want to say to us about our, our past and our start? And now what do you want to say to us about where we are and where we're going? And what we felt like the Spirit was saying to us, don't rush my timing. This is God speaking to us. Don't rush my timing. Be patient. Trust me, I'm with you. And the thing, multiple times, uh, either you don't need to know what I'm doing yet or I'm, I'm not gonna show you what I'm doing yet. So those were things that we heard as a church together. Um, and so as I was uh, not doing so great right here on Wednesday, like, what am I gonna say? Pulling my hair out. Um, that concept came from a while ago, from the Spirit to our church, and I was wondering, Lord, do you want me to, is there something else you want me to do right now? Uh, clearly, this isn't working, so maybe you want me to do something else on this Sunday. Um, and the sense that I have is that we almost need to take some steps 
back from what's Valley Church about? What are we gonna do? What is, what's gonna change for us? Um, uh, and reflect on why you're here. So we, unless the Lord does it again, we, I plan to talk about what Valley is about, what we have been about, maybe what needs to change over the coming weeks. Um, but for now, all I know is that I wanna ask the question why you are here. Not why are you like here at this church amongst all the other possible options, but um, why are you at church at all? If there was ever a time that you could have slipped out of church, it probably would have been the last few years. Pick a reason. I mean, there's so many of them. Um, I can think of a number of friends and families, not just from Valley, but from other, other churches, other people that I know who are just not following Jesus anymore. Um, or, I sound so cynical and skeptical, theoretically attempting to, do, to continue to do so outside of a community of people who are also trying to do that, to follow Jesus together. Whether it's deconstruction or just outright apostasy, just deciding I'm, I'm done with faith in Jesus, or the like really sneaky, subtle combo of busy and lazy. Um, it's, taken out, it's taken out a lot of people from church, not just Valley, but uh, everywhere. From, I'm not sure what I believe about this thing, I'm, I'm doing some, some research on this doctrine, I'm not sure what I think anymore, or I don't, I don't see eye to eye with Jesus and the scriptures anymore to, uh, we just kinda gotta prepare for the week, <laughs> can't make it tonight, we're tired. Um, all these, those are, categorically different reasons for not going to church on a Sunday night. Um, they're just taking a toll on us, on my soul as a person who stands up here most Sundays to like look at you and see you and preach to you. Um, and so I know, it's, I know that what I'm about to ask you to do is heavy, so warning. Just take a moment, would you reflect on any friends or family that you have that have in some way like stepped back from church? and not just attending church, but it, it's indicative of maybe stepping back away from trying to follow Jesus. Whether it's outright, I'm done, or deconstructing, or just it's not part of their life anymore. Just wanna give you a minute to let those names and faces come into your head. In the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus says a beautiful, iconic, and probably more controversial than we really understand a phrase. He says, I'm the bread of life. And he, then he said, whoever, in the same kind of context, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Now, if you are not a Christian, or even a lot of non-Christians are probably familiar with some of that kind of like, um, image-laden, you know, imagery of religious imagery. Um, if you weren't, if you were just like an alien listening in on this, you'd be like, say what? Like eating flesh, drinking blood? That's weird. Um, it's provocative, confusing, gross, offensive. And in the wake of Jesus saying these things, John tells us what happened in, uh, in and amongst Jesus's followers, not just the 12, but all the people that had begin, began to follow him. In the six, verse 66, after this, after Jesus said these things, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. 
Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? So when you think about those in your life who have left the church, um, friends or family, or um, maybe, it's, maybe you also get the sense that it's just it's dwindling, that a, a flame is going out or something in, I don't know, the church in America or in the West, would you just try to insert yourself into this picture of John 6, and would you allow and imagine Jesus is asking you this question? Imagine there's a group, I don't know, 200 disciples. Jesus says this weird stuff. The disciples are like, this is a hard saying, Jesus. What, what's happening? And these people physically just start walking away. And Jesus turns to you. And he's like, what, a, what about you? Do you want to go? Are you going to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I can't think of something that I have uh, just thought and prayed more than that verse. When I feel like I just... I want to give up. I, I don't want to give up following Jesus. Sometimes I want to give up trying to lead a church. <laughs> when I'm disappointed with friends that have walked away from Jesus, when I'm disappointed with whatever, probably maybe mostly flesh, earthly desires for our church that have not come to pass since we started, and I'm disappointed with that. And I'm just like, what's happening? What am I doing with my life right now? I come back to this. More than anything else, where else, would I, where else would I go? You, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. And so, I just wanna ask, I'm gonna ask you some questions and I'm gonna give you like, I don't know, five to 10 seconds to reflect on the question I ask you to think about, is it yes or no? Is it yes or no? Do you still believe and know? Do you still believe and know that Jesus is the Messiah? The long-awaited, anointed servant of Yahweh who offered up his life for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. Does anyone else have words of eternal life? Where else would you go? Who else would you run to? There are a lot of people and ideas and ideologies that offer some version of the good life. But do you, can you see through it? Do you believe and know that Jesus alone offers a categorically different, capital T, true version of the good life? Do you believe that the way of Jesus is the way to human flourishing? Do you still believe that Jesus is the hope of the world? Not just your like, 
your personal spiritual belief that you think is true but it's fulfilling your spiritual checkbox and it may not be right for others? Is he the rightful king of the whole universe? Does all of creation belong to him? Do you believe that one day every knee will bow to him and every tongue say Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that Jesus is for everyone? Do you believe that Jesus wants everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth of who he is? Do you believe he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him? The last question, is he your master, your rabbi, your Lord, and your king? The only reason that Valley Church should exist is if anyone in this room can say yes and amen to any one of those questions. If we don't believe those things, um, we don't need to exist. But if we do believe and know Jesus to be who he says he is, then we must exist. And not just exist, but thrive for the sake of you so that you don't die a slow, terrible death of disappointment. <laughs> but that your inner life for the sake of loving one another, for the sake of the lost and broken in our church and in our uh, neighborhoods and in our city and our world, we have to exist and become who God wants us to become. And I still believe that this type of church community will be vital to us becoming the people that God wants us to become. I don't think it works to do it by yourself. So I wanna close with two things. Oh, gosh. Um, I wanna read the lyrics of a song and I wanna sing the words of a psalm. Uh, there's a worship song written by an artist named Andrew Peterson that is intended to be kind of like this liturgical call and response sort of thing. Someday we'll sing it together. But I just wanna read it together, um, most of the lyrics, and I'm gonna ask you to respond. So you're gonna see the response in parentheses. I ask a question and then you say what's in the parentheses, you'll get it. Um, and I wanna say if you don't, if you can't answer it as it's written truthfully, you don't have to say it. If you're in a spot where you're not sure, I understand, I love you and um, you don't have to say it. But if you do, if Jesus asks, are you also gonna go away? And you say, no, I'm staying, then would you please say these? I wanna hear you say it. Do you feel the world is broken? <laughs> Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? And is it good that we remind ourselves of this?
Does the Father truly love us? Yes. And does the Spirit move among us? Yes. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those he loves? Yes. And does our God intend to dwell again with us? Yes. There's a couple lines I'm just gonna read before there's a final response. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave, he is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Of all blessing and honor and glory, is he worthy of this? Yes. We're gonna close by turning this reflection into um, worship with Psalm 73. Lasan, would you come up here? Um, I'm gonna explain it quickly before we read it, before you even look at it. Um, here you go. NIV. David begins by acknowledging that theoretically he knows that it's worth it to follow God. He knows, he says, I know God is good to Israel. But he loses his footing is how he describes it. He loses his faith for a moment because he's looking out on those who don't follow God. And it seems like they are better and happier and freer. And so he feels like he's followed God in vain. It wasn't, how can it be worth it if the wicked prosper in their pride while he suffers keeping his hands washed and his heart pure, he says. So he wrestles with this internally. He's troubled in his thoughts. He says his spirit was bitter. He likens himself to a senseless, brutish beast. That is, until he met with God for worship in his church. He remembered that the wicked, the wicked will not, in fact, prosper in the end. That it is, in fact, worth it to cling to the presence and the goodness of God. He remembered that even in his doubt and his frustration and his anger and his questions, that God never left him, that God held his hand the whole time. And he then acknowledges that there's nothing else that he could want, nothing better in all of heaven and earth more than God. And he says that when he feels weak, that God is the strength for his heart and his portion, meaning he's all that he needs. So this concept of reaffirming our belief and our allegiance to Jesus amidst a culture where it feels like those around us are not, this is ancient. David has been there, felt that, wrote the song about it. And maybe we could tap into something special that God has for us by reading and singing God's word about this very topic that has been read and sung for a very, very long time. So please grab the Bible in the pew in front of you. No phones, except for Lazan. Um, Page 599, assuming they're all the same, and page 600, it's split over two pages. We're gonna read the whole thing together, Lazan will read it, and then keep it open to the second half, so I think on page 600, assuming they're the same, uh, if not, verses 21 through 26, should be in front of your face when we sing them. Um, a friend of mine, a family member of some people here wrote a song, uh, Psalm 73. Um, particularly from verses 21 through 26. Um, and so while, while I sing it, um, you could either read and kind of reread and reflect on the psalm in front of you. Um, if you catch on to it, we sing it enough, 
just sing it with me. Um, and we'll just worship together. So let's, let's read Psalm 73. <clears throat> 